Good morning and welcome to the Gathering Church. My name is John Mark Redwine. I'm the lead pastor and it's so good to have you guys with us here today. Welcome to the first gathering of 2019. We're very excited. We've made it. It's another year and it's going to be a good one, man. We're excited. This is going to be a good year. And welcome to our second gathering at T.C. Robertson High School. We're excited about that. This is all very new for us. If it's your first Sunday with us, welcome home. We're glad you're here. This is the right place to be this morning. You know, at the gathering, we're just fixated on taking this spiritual pathway to know God, find freedom, discover your purpose, and make a difference. And we just want you to come along with us. We're all still on the journey, and we just can't wait to go through it together. Well, this is only our second Sunday at T.C. Robertson. We've all worked very hard preparing to move here. We, we spent three years at Rainbow Community School and outgrew that space, and so we needed a space where God could continue to do what He does and grow this church and, and move in this church, and so that's why we're here at T.C. Robertson, uh, because we got seats to spare. We got kids' space to spare, and we are excited about everything that's next. I wanted to let you know uh, that as we grow and as we shift and transition into this new space, there's a couple things we're still figuring out here. One is our nursing mother's room. And so if you've got little ones uh, with you today, maybe you were at our last facility and you know that's something that we provided, it's something we prioritize very much. We're working hard to get some solutions to be able to provide that for you here. Our hope is in the next couple weeks we will have that for you. Uh, and so bear with us. We're, we're getting there. Uh, and so, uh, well, I, I want to get started because uh, I've got a lot to talk about today. We, we are in the first Sunday of the new year, which means that for many of us, it's a time of new beginnings, of fresh starts. A, a new year is always a good natural time to get a fresh start and to kind of start it all over again and to, and to get, a, get a restart. We make New Year's resolutions, most of us, some of us, a few of us maybe. Each year we make New Year's resolutions. We always break those resolutions pretty quick. Who's already lost your New Year's resolutions so far this year? That'd be me. I, uh, my resolution, one of them, uh, was to eat less candy. Uh, you know, I'm a grown man and I eat a lot of candy. I don't, I don't know why. I can't explain it to you. Haribo is my weakness. And I, and I made it about four days into the new year and stopped and bought a, a bag of Haribo candies. Ate the whole bag in my car in the parking lot in shame. And um, so here we are. Maybe that's you this morning. Probably not candy. I do feel alone in that one. So let me know if that's you so that we can, we can help each other. Uh, resolutions. Here's the problem with resolutions is that you can't resolve to do something differently but keep doing the same things and expect new results. See, for many of us, we have these New Year's resolutions but our habits and our routines and honestly the way we live our life never changes. Just, we just put some hopes into it. See, a lot of times we've got uphill hopes and downhill habits. We have these big dreams for where we want to go and who we want to be and the changes we want to make, but we have the habits that lead us right back into who we've, who we've always been and what we've always done and the same results we've always gotten. They don't add up. See, what we want to talk about for the first few weeks of this year is that if we want to see change, 
If we really want to break some addictions this year, if we want to find freedom from some bitterness, some depression, some anxiety, if we want to find freedom from some bad habits, if we just want to get to the next level spiritually, emotionally, physically this year, then we're going to have to change our habits. We're going to have to start to develop some uphill habits to get there. And it's hard. It's hard to change your habits. It's hard to start to do new things because we have all these excuses for these things in us that we want to change, but we never really do change. We, we think it can't be done. I've always been this way. My dad was this way. And, and, and it's just who we are. As a, this is who my family is, who we are as people. Or I've always had this this problem. It's been me. It's just a part of my personality. It's in me. It'll always be in me. It'll never change. And we make up all these excuses. Reminds me of a story. It's very serious. Uh, a guy gets pulled over by a police officer and the, he was swerving all over the road. And the police officer says, hey, I'm going to have to give you a breathalyzer because of the way you were driving. And the man says, well, you can't give me a breathalyzer. I've got asthma. I could die right here on the spot. And then uh, the officer says, all right, well, then we're going to take you down to the station, give you a blood test. And the man says, no, I can't do a blood test because I'm a hemophiliac. If you do, I could bleed to death right there in the station. And the officer says, all right, well, then I need you to get out and walk a straight line. And the man says, no, no, I can't walk a straight line. And the guy says, why? And he says, well, because I'm drunk. So it's time to, it's time to get rid of our excuses. They, they, don't, they aren't good. They're not helping us. It's time to make a change this year. And so over the next four weeks, we're going to talk about four habits that I believe can make 2019 your best year yet. But if we're going to do it, we're going to need a couple things. First, we're going to need hope. Hope for the future. Hope for the future. Don't give up on yourself before you ever get started. Don't say, I can't do it. Don't, don't run into the excuses. It doesn't matter how many times you failed at change before. This year can be different. Believe it. There's a story in Luke chapter 8, verses 43 through 48 of a woman who has been struggling with a physical ailment for most of her life. And she's dealt with this for a long time and she's gone to all the doctors and she's tried all the doctors and, and they haven't been able to help her and she's tried every home remedy she can think of and none of it's worked, none of it's worked. Everyone's just said, this is who you're always going to be. This is what you struggle with now, it's what you'll struggle with tomorrow. And she had tried everything and nothing worked, but she had not yet tried Jesus. And the Bible says she just got close enough to him to touch the edge of his clothes and she was healed. Listen, it doesn't matter what you've tried before. It doesn't matter how many times you've been told you can't fix this. It doesn't matter how often you've told yourself I can't change. It doesn't count until you've tried Jesus. I'm telling you, there can be hope for a better tomorrow. What Jesus does is change the unchangeable. His mission statement in Luke chapter 4, verse 18 says, The Spirit of the Lord is on me. This is Jesus talking. Because He has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, to the recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. I want you to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor in Jesus' name this year. I want you to believe that this is the year He can set you free from the things that have held you captive your entire life. It can happen. But you've got to have hope for the future. Hope for the future and you've got to have repentance from your past. Repentance 
from your past. Church, we got to reclaim the word repentance. It's gotten a kind of a bad vibe, hasn't it? Too many pastors with pulpits pounding fists and screaming the word. The word just means to turn from, to turn into a different direction, to start going in a different direction. If you've ever spent any time in the rooms in Alcoholics Anonymous or NA or CA or any of the 12-step programs, there's a story they tell a lot about a man who was walking down a street and he fell into a pit. And he fell in this deep pit, and it, it was really hard to get out of. It took him a long time to get out of it. He finally gets out of it. And the next time he's walking down that street, he walks around the edge of the pit, and he gets to the other side. The next time, the third time he walks down that street, he goes on the other side of the street and goes all the way around the pit, gets to the other side. But he gets a little bit cocky, a little overconfident. And the fourth time he walks down that street, he falls right back down into the pit. And so the fifth time, he takes a different street. See, I think for some of us, it's time to take a different street. I think everything that we're trying isn't working, and it's time to repent and turn and go a different direction. I think if, if we keep moving this way, we're going to keep getting the same results. It's time to believe that if we start going this way, something different might happen. And what we need to do to get there is to form some uphill habits. We've got to form some uphill habits. In, in Philippians 3.13, Paul says, brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Listen, you've been given a purpose. You're created with it. You've got a job to do. You're, you are God's masterpiece created with an assignment in mind. And we're going to get to that purpose, but the only way to do it is to forget what's behind us and to press on towards what's ahead of us, to stop thinking about what was there and what was then and what happened then, to stop letting the excuses and the reasons and the failures over here keep us from going over there. We've got to fix our eyes on Jesus. And we form some uphill habits, and this can be a year of change for your life. Romans 12, 2, in the message version, says, fix your attention on God, and you'll be changed from the inside out. See, all four of these habits, they, resolve, they revolve around fixing a part of who we are, our attention, our, our, our minds on God. And when we do that, we won't just be changed on the outside. You see, a lot of these things that we're trying to get free from in the new year that we know we need to, but we're not trying, these things are deep down inside of us. They're rooted they're so far inside of us, it doesn't feel like they could ever change. But our Father is one who changes from the inside out. It's how He works. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what He wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you and develops well-formed maturity in you. If we fix our attention on God and develop some new habits some biblical spiritual habits, it will change us from the inside out. And this time next year, we'll be looking back and saying, wow, look what God did in 2019. See, I believe this is the year to go all in, to give it everything we've got, and to make some changes that will change us forever. So here we go. Habit number one, the first habit, one per week. First habit, you should be able to master this by Saturday, and then we'll move on to the next habit. The first one is this. Focus on what I do first. F 
focus on what I do first. If we can learn the principle of priority, it can change us. Show me what you do first. Each day, each week, each month, each year. Show me the first thing you do and I will show you what you value most. I will show you what you prioritize most. The things that are most important to us take first position in our lives. We've got to learn the principle of priority. This is everywhere in the Bible. From start to finish, God is obsessed with what we do first throughout the commandments. In the Old Testament, it's over and over again in the narrative. What we do first matters. It affects us. It affects the rest of everything else. We've got to learn to focus on what we do first because what we do first directly connects to what has priority in our hearts. So it's time to get those priorities straight this year. First, we need to learn to put God first. What a surprise. Go to a church in the first Sunday of the new year and he tells you to put God first. But let me explain what I mean. I mean that if God is in your life, maybe you're like I was for most of my life. You grew up around church. You grew up going. You're here once or twice, maybe three times a month because it's what you've always done. Christianity is a box you check on demographics. But throughout the rest of your week, it doesn't really affect you much. It doesn't, it doesn't impact what you do that much. It's kind of important to you, but it's not the most important thing to you. I just believe that if God is in your life and He's not first in your life, God is not in your life. What I believe is, is that if you have God in your life and He's not first, it's not real relationship with God. Because He requires first position to be in relationship. It's all throughout the Bible. In fact, it's one of the commandments. The very first commandment says this, It says, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt and into the land of slavery and out of the land of slavery. God wants you to remember what he's done for you. He says, I'm the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt and the land of slavery. Don't forget what he's delivered you from already. Don't forget, it's easy for us if you kind of come into a relationship with him and it's been a period of time to forget where he found you. To forget the places that you've been, the freedom that he's given you so far. But we've got to remember who he is and what he's done for us. It says, I am the Lord your God. You shall have no other gods before me. In other words, don't worship or love anything more than we love God. If you want to have a relationship with God that changes you, that transforms you, that shapes you, you've got to put him first in your life. It's a man in the Bible named Daniel. Daniel understood what this looks like. Daniel, is, uh, as a young man, his, his nation is taken into captivity by a conquering nation. Daniel's one of those taken to the capital city of Babylon to be integrated into their culture. And 
what Babylon would do, if you remember history, ancient history, is when they would conquer a new civilization, they would integrate their culture into theirs. The dream of Babylon was to have one world culture where we all learn from one another. And it sounds great maybe out, uh, when you say it, but when you see the bloodshed and the, and the persecution and, and all of that, it's not as great as it sounds. And so the dream was to get them in there and, and make them live the way the Babylonians lived. The Babylonians would take some from Judaism, and the Jewish people living in their court would have to adapt the Babylonian ways as well. But Daniel made a decision early in his life to put God first. So in the very beginning, he's given the privilege of eating at the king's table. And all these laws that the ancient Hebrews followed were there to set them apart from the people around them, to say, we put God First, And a lot of those laws were around eating and around food. And much of what was at that table contrasted what Daniel should be eating. Daniel chapter 1 verse 8 says, Daniel resolved, that's a resolution, not to defile himself with the royal food and wine, but he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself this way. In verse 9, now God caused the official to show favor and compassion to Daniel. Daniel risks his life because he's made the decision to put God first. It gets a little uncomfortable sometimes to decide to put God first in our life, to pursue Him with the kind of passion that we're talking about here. But what happens is, when we put God first in our life, He shows up with favor and compassion in ways that we never expected. We've got to learn to put God first. Let me make it a little more practical. Give God the first of everything. The way that we put God first in our life is to give Him the first of everything. One of the things that we talk about often um, at the gathering church uh, when we talk about money is that the tithe, the purpose of the tithe is to remind us to constantly put God first in our lives. It's not about just money and it's not about following laws. It's not about any of that. More so, it's about keeping God in his right position in our lives to say, I trust you. If I can trust you with one of the most sensitive areas of my life, with an area that I'm most likely to pursue above God, money, position, power, authority, all of it, comfort, things and stuff. If I can take that and I can make it secondary to God by giving the first part of it to Him, then it reminds me that He gets this position in my life, not the money. And we talk about that, but it's, it's about more than money. Leviticus chapter 27, verse 30, says a tithe of everything. Give God a tithe of everything from the land. Grain from the soil, fruit from the trees, it all belongs to the Lord, and it is holy to Him. It is set apart and important to Him. That's what holy means. Give God the first of everything. It's not just about your money. He doesn't just want the first of your money. God wants the first of everything that we are. In fact, if you wonder why we believe that about tithing, it's Deuteronomy chapter 14, 23. says the purpose of tithing is to teach you to always put God in the first place in your life. So we give God the first part, but not just the first part of our budget, of our money, we give God the first of everything that we have, and it keeps him at the first position of our lives. Let me break it down a little more. Give God the first part of your year. It's January, 
It's a great time to just start fresh and and be reminded and expectant of what this year will bring as we look ahead to all the different things that we've got going for this year. I like to, at the beginning of the year, kind of study all the places I'm going to go this year, all the things I already know about on my calendar that I'm excited about, the landmarks I'll hit. My, My youngest daughter turns one in 2019. That's a thing I'm excited about celebrating. There's all these things to celebrate for 2019, but what I really want is for this to be a year where I serve God better than I did in 2018. What I really want is for this to be a year where God blesses and just fills me up with more of himself than even 2018. And so I want to give him the first part of this year in preparation for that. I I don't believe that I can walk into everything that God has planned for me in 2019 unless I can stop and give him a portion of this year right now. So practically, what that looks like as a church is we're getting ready to step in to 21 days of prayer and fasting. This is a new tradition for our church. We started this back in August. Uh, I felt like God was leading us to be a church of greater prayer priority. That prayer needed to just not just be a, a big part of who we are, but it needed to define who we are. Like we needed to be a people that just pursue God genuinely and together. And so 21 days of prayer, that's what it is, a season for us to come together as a church, unite in prayer for three weeks, to develop new habits, to break, to give us kind of a restart. I believe that 21 days of prayer and fasting in January is a great way to get into some of these habits that are going to help you to find freedom that you're looking for this year, all of it. And so 21 days of prayer and fasting, let me tell you what that is. Starting next Sunday, January 13th. Uh, We're going to, every day for 21 days, pray together. Uh, Monday through Friday at 6.30 in the morning, there'll be a prayer prompting online. We'll tell you how to access that uh, this week, and you can be watching our social media. We'll be telling you more about that. Uh, But we will be meeting at 6.30 in the morning. One of our staff members will lead us in a prayer prompting. We'll talk about what we're praying about together that morning and open up in prayer. And then you'll go on and and pray on your own. On Saturday mornings, uh, beginning January 20th, and then for the three Saturdays after, two Saturdays after, three total, we will be meeting together for a prayer service at 9 a.m. at Seacoast Church Asheville. Now, if you don't know, we're a part of what's called the Association of Related Churches. That's our church network. It was started by Seacoast Church, and they're a part of that network. Their lead pastor is actually the leader of that network, and so we are kind of sister churches. We're in this together. They're going through 21 days of prayer as well, and so we want to come together as the body of Christ and pray for our city and worship God and all of that together. We'll give you all the information next week as we get closer and get ready for that prayer service. These prayer services are important and powerful. I'm just telling you, if you've never been a room of followers of Jesus crying out to him together in unison, it is, it is something that will move the spirit inside of you in a brand new way. It is the best part of 21 days of prayer. Do not miss it. And then we'll gather together here on Sundays. And so we're going to do that for three weeks. They say it takes 21 days to make a new habit, and so we're going to commit to praying together for 21 days, believing that after that, we'll have developed a new habit that we'll be able to take on into our new year that will give God the first of everything, including the first of our year. And I'll get into that in just a second. Uh, the second part of it is fasting. I believe it's important to start the year out with a fast, kind of a detox from the year behind you. Let me tell you about the purpose 
of a fast. A fast is a spiritual discipline that helps you develop discipline. If you've got an addiction you need to break this year, start with a fast over that addiction. If you've got a, a mindset or a emotion, that, a bitterness, a, an anger that you're trying to beat this year, start with a fast that'll teach you that discipline. If you've never gotten into a daily habit of prayer and scripture because you lack discipline, start with a fast which will teach you to develop discipline. A fast is something that allows us to say yes to the spiritual and no to the physical. We've got to learn more and more to say yes to the spiritual and more uh, no to the physical. Matthew 16.24 says, If you would follow me, deny yourself and take up your cross and follow me. me. Jesus says, say no to the physical so you can say yes to the spiritual. Fasting is just a, a real practical way to learn how to do that. There's four different kinds of fasts. I would encourage you to choose one and join us for these 21 days. The first is a complete fast. No food, just water for 21 days. If you've never fasted before, you have to do this one. It's an initiation. <laughs> just kidding. This is something you've got to really pray about and feel called to. And if you feel like God's leading you to a complete fast, go talk to your doctor first. Make sure you're healthy and, and get prepared for that in the right way. And that's a complete fast. Second one is a partial fast. A partial fast or a Jewish fast is where we fast meals or a time of day. So the traditional Jewish fast is from sun, sun up to sundown. And we don't eat during that time. And then we have an evening meal together in which we praise God. That's a traditional Jewish fast. In the New Testament, they did a fast where they would fast from uh, sundown until 3 p.m. the next day. And then they would have an afternoon meal together and celebrate God. That's, that's one way to do it. And you focus the whole time you're not eating. Uh, whenever you feel hungry, you just say, God, I'm saying no to my flesh. I'm saying yes to you. When you would normally have a meal time, you're praying and you're praising and you're worshiping and you're getting yourself closer to him. The next one is a selective fast. Uh, this is what Daniel was doing in that story we just read when Daniel said no to meats and to wine and to sweets and to baked goods. He just ate fruit and vegetables basically uh, for that period of time. Uh, that's a Daniel fast, a, a Whole30. If you've ever done Whole30 would be a selective fast. Uh, or maybe, you, maybe you're like me, you eat a lot of candy, it's time to say no to sugar. You're not going to have any sugar for 21 days. I'm telling you, I, I did that one last year. It's really hard. So I'm not doing that one. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> That's a good one. Or caffeine. If you're a coffee addict like I am, maybe you're going to say no to caffeine for 21 days and it's going to move you farther from God before you get closer to God. Maybe you're going to fast cauliflower. Come on, somebody. It's like more power to you. Like, yeah, I'm not going to eat any cauliflower for 21 days. Praise God. Good for you. I'm with you. I think that's great. More power. This, you're missing the point, but that's all right. Fourth one is a soul fast. That sounds cool, right? A soul fast. A soul fast. That's where you say no to uh, digital me to social media uh, or, or TV or music that's not worship music or something like that for a period of 21 days. A lot of us could benefit from 21 days without the internet. Am I right? So a soul fast is, some, is saying no to something that your flesh wants. Uh, that's not food. And so I would ask each of you to seek God this week and pray about what kind of fast you would do and join us in 21 days of fasting and prayer next week as we give God the very first part of our year and say, God, this year is for you. Second thing is uh, the, give God the very first of your month. Two simple principles in this one. 
Calendar and budgeting. Calendar and budgeting. Give God the first of your month by calendaring and budgeting well. If you're not doing either of those things already, I'm about to change your life. Okay, here's, here's something that if you're married, this will change your marriage. My wife and I were married a few years before we realized that most arguments we were having were because we had no idea what the other one had planned and we were just always doing the, the opposite thing. She would look at me and say, what is your plan for today? Because I know you have one and I know you haven't told me what it is yet. And, and we would always be at tension about it. So what we do now is we sit down and we go through our calendars, make sure we're planning to do the same things. So at the beginning of each month, sit down and look at all the stuff you've got to say yes to this month. The PTA dinner, you've got to say yes to. You've got a golf match with the boys on a Saturday. Make sure your wife says yes to that one. You've got, you've got all these different things that you're saying yes to. You've got a board meeting on Wednesdays. You've got all these things you're saying yes to this month. Here's how you give God the first part of your month. As you're looking down through those things, make sure that you're putting God in the first position. That if you've got anything on that list that is keeping you from something that would move you closer to God, that you're saying no to it at the beginning of the month. Whatever it is. I don't know what that means for you. Maybe you, you've said life group semester is, is approaching. You know God's called you to find freedom, and that means you need community. But you've been saying no to life group because you've had this other thing that you do once a week that's a choice that you're doing it, and it's on your calendar. Maybe it's time to say no to that so you can put a priority on life group and let God change you this semester. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's creating time each week on Sundays to prioritize worship. Maybe it's for you making sure that everything in that calendar honors God. And then when you budget, if you don't have a budget, maybe you, you like to, instead you just think it builds faith uh, every couple of weeks to go to the grocery store and just wonder what's going to happen when you swipe that card. Just Here we go, it's a faith, but God's going to provide. Here we go. Boom, got it, all right, God is good all the time, all the time God is good. Or, or maybe you have the opposite problem, you make enough to where you know there'll be some money there, and so you just know when you swipe it'll be a yes, but you're not being, very, you're not being a very good steward of what goes out. It's important to sit down and budget every penny every month. You should know where every penny goes, you should have a place for it should be intentional, should be purposeful. And when you go to do your budget, the way that you give God the first of everything is the very first line item, the very first thing that goes out in my bank account every single month is the top 10%. The very first thing. Let me tell you, I have had to learn some lessons about the tithe. Now, I believe God asks for the first of our finances, that he wants that at the beginning of the month. And when I got married, my mentality was, that God deserved, that I needed to give God some of my money, but it would depend on what was left over at the end of the month, if I could afford to. My wife, we didn't make much money when we got married, and we lived in a small house in a small town in 2011 when the economy was kaput. And my wife said, uh, John Mark, why aren't we giving 10% to the church? And I said, well, because I'm putting 10% in my belly right now, and I'm time for have enough money to go around. And she said, no, John Mark, we don't have enough money to go out to eat as much as we do. We're going to give 10% to the church. You see, that's just what I believe God's asked for the first part, which means instead of getting to the bottom and what's left goes to him, when we're at the top, that's his. And then at the bottom, there may not be enough for a Netflix subscription, or they may not be enough to eat Whole Foods every day, or there may not be enough for that car payment. See, I just think that's the way that we budget in a way that gives God our first. That's enough of that. We're going to move on to our week, the first of our week. We give God the first. You know what? Give yourselves a hand. You're doing it. You're here. You're giving him the first of your week already. 
This Sunday, come on somebody, we give God the very first part of our week because it's the principle of priority. For a long time, Sabbath was on Saturday, the last day of the week. It was command for the Jewish people to give God this day, to rest on the last day because at the end of creating the earth, God rested. But in the New Testament, in the first century, actually beginning just a few weeks after Jesus was raised from the dead, they changed their Sabbath to the first day of the week because that's the day that Jesus came back from the dead and they wanted to come together and celebrate that but it was also principle of priority. They started meeting on Sunday because instead of giving God the end of their week, they wanted to give God the first of their week. We give God the first of our week. We need to worship Him together to start our week. It fills us up. It gives us what we need in Him. Colossians 3.16 says, Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. It lets Christ dwell among us when we come together as His followers and worship Him at the beginning of our week. Hebrews 10.24 says, and let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. How do we do the things Jesus has called us to do? To serve people well and to love people well. How do we do that? He said we do that by not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. But by encouraging one another and all the more as we see the day approaching. When we make the first part of our week, the first morning of our week about worship, it sets the tone for the rest of our week. The rest of our week is about worship now. We started by worshiping together with our family and we're going to carry it through for the next six days and then we're going to do it again. And let me encourage you to make it about the whole day, not just your hour and a half here. I believe Sabbath is important, but it's important when it's intentional and purposeful. Well, Sabbath is a time of rest for your spirit and your soul. Sabbath is what we need to have the energy to get through the rest of the week. I hear a lot of people, I ask them how they're doing, and they say, tired. And I say, did you just not sleep a lot last night? They say, no, I'm just tired right now. I want you to know the cure for tired. It's Sabbath. It's taking time to rest in what God is doing for you. Jesus said that the Sabbath was not made, Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. It was made for you to help you Feel the rest that you need. And so on Sunday, worship together. Give God the first part of your week. Come here and just celebrate. Let it go and worship. Just dance and be weird if you have to. Just give it to Him. I'm just telling you. And then get out of here and go do something that fills you up and worship while you do it. I like to be outside. And so I'm trying to get into a rhythm. I get tired on Sundays, but I'm trying to get into a rhythm of Sundays going and doing something outside after I've worshiped with my family because it fills me up and I can worship God in it. And then maybe even you want to have the bring back Sunday supper, right? I grew up going to Sunday supper, the evening meal where we come together with family and we celebrate what God is going to do in our family this week. Sabbath, be intentional. Give God the first part of your week. The last thing is give God the first part of my day. All of these, these habits, all of these parts of this habit are important, but this is the keystone habit. This is the thing that if we can do it, it will lead to us being successful in every other area of this habit. And see, a habit isn't something that, that is an annual thing or a monthly thing. A real habit is a daily thing. 
Give God the very first part of your day. What do, what do you usually do first in the day? What's the first thing you do? Is it, is it to roll over and check your phone, look for messages or emails? Is it to open up a social media app and see if you got any, see what the world people were posting about between 11 p.m. and 6 a.m.? What is it? What gets the first part of your day? Do you worship that cup of coffee more than you worship God as you start your morning? What is it? I would encourage you to make sure the very first part of your day goes to God. Give it to Him. Listen, you can have a, a, if you have a habit of Scripture study and prayer and it's in the afternoon, it's effective. I'm not telling you not to do that, that you have to change. If you give an hour to it, don't move your whole hour in the morning. If you're doing it then and it's working and it's routine for you, that's fine. But I still think that the first part of your day should go to God. I'll teach you something called the first 15. First 15. Something that I do. Since I, I'm, I like to get up, I, I'm a morning person by choice, not a morning person by nature. I'm very grumpy when I first get up. If you try to talk to me before I've got a whole cup of coffee in me, I will not say nice things to you naturally. I've got to make choices to be, who I, to be a morning person when I wake up in the mornings. And since we've had our second child, she's uh, 10 months old now, so it's probably gone on for too long that that's been my excuse. I haven't gotten up as early because I'm tired, because babies make me tired. And so I do my scripture study and prayer in the afternoon, but I have stayed in the morning with a 15-minute ritual. See, the first thing that I want to do in the morning is give God five minutes of praise. Five minutes of worship. Psalm 63.1 says, Early in the morning I will rise to seek you. And Psalm 118 says, This is the day the Lord has made and I will rejoice and be glad in it. And I just want that to be the first words out of my lips every single morning. You know, when I was a teenager, my dad was, uh, he's, he's always just followed Jesus with everything he is. And I remember one morning it being like 6.30 and I was getting up for school and I was in the pantry digging around for breakfast, and my dad's out in the kitchen, and he's singing, this is the day, this is the day that the Lord has made, that the Lord has made, I will rejoice, I will rejoice, and I was just thinking, is there any poison in this pantry, is there, where do they keep the guns in this house, <laughs> and I just want to be more like my dad, like I, I want the first thing, I want to give him my praise first thing in the morning, so I would encourage you to roll out of bed and, and go to a place, put some earphones in if you got kids so you don't have to hear them, you know. I mean, just, <laughs> I'll tell you what, one kid's TV show is 23 minutes long. I know this. If you go on Netflix, I put my, my daughter, you know, she likes to watch a cartoon in the morning, and I use that 23 minutes, and I listen to one of my favorite worship songs. Being Throned is one of my favorite worship songs. Being Throned Upon the Praises of a Thousand Generations. You are worthy, Lord of all. I just want that to start my day. It's just hard to be grumpy at people when you started your day singing highest praises to the Lord of all. Highest praises to the Lord of all. Be enthroned. What a beautiful name it is. What a beautiful name it is, the name of Jesus. Just start your day off with praise. Five minutes of praise. Five minutes of scripture. Pick a plan and read it every day. I think you should read it every single day. Even on Sunday. Yeah, I know. Pastor reads me Bible on Sunday. Why do I have to? I think you should do it every day. I read the one-year Bible. It takes me about 10 minutes. And it's a little Old Testament, a little New Testament, Psalm and a Proverb. And I just want to give God a chance to speak to me every day. I mean, I just want, I feel like the, my relationship with my wife is better when I make sure I give her a chance to talk to me every day. It's easy to be married and not do that. 
I want to make sure that I give her a little bit of time every day to tell me how she's doing. And I want to make sure I give time every single day for God to speak new life into me, to put new vision in my heart, to call me, to remind me of who he is, of his goodness, of his faithfulness, of the calling on my life. I just want to make sure I give him the chance every day, five minutes, and then five minutes of prayer. And my prayer in the morning is usually like this. God, help me to be nice to Rael when she comes downstairs. Help me to just have joy before the coffee, Father. God, help me to, to be intentional with my kids at breakfast this morning, to just look them in the eyes and get them ready for this day. Heavenly Father, I just give it to you. I worship you. I worship you today, Father. Everything that I do from this moment on is yours, God. This is my sacrifice to you. I invite you into the first moment of my day, Father. I honor you. I worship you. You are so good to me. In Jesus' name, amen. It's just five minutes. I promise you 15 minutes could change the rest of your day. You really can. Just the way you're going to go into that meeting is going to be a little bit different. The way you're going to respond to your kids is going to be a little bit different. The way that you communicate with your roommates, with your wife, hopefully they're not the same in your mind, would be a little bit different. I just believe it. Give God the first of everything. Give Him the first of everything and expect Him to bless the rest. I'm just telling you, if you give it to God, He's going to turn blessing back your way. And that doesn't mean He's going to come pouring money into your bank account. You just may always be broke. I hate to tell you. But you're going to get blessing that matters. See, when you give God your time, I think He's going to bless your time. When you give God the very first thoughts of your day, I think He's just going to bless the rest of the thoughts that go through your mind that day. He's going to give you the power that you need to get through that day. You just give God the first of everything with the expectation that He is going to bless the rest. In Proverbs 3, 6-10, it says, In all your ways acknowledge Him. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your crops. And then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. Maybe you're at the place this year where something's got to change. It's just been too much for too long. This, this has got to be the end of it. It has to be. Can't go on any longer. Then let something change this year. If you're just at the place where you feel like something's got to be different, then I would encourage you to start making some different choices this year. Let's start with our habits. And let's start with what we do first. I'm telling you, what you do first matters. Give the first part to God. Give it to Him. Lay it at His feet. Submit it to Him and the rest is going to get better. There's going to be work to do. There's discipline to learn. There's things we're going to have to fight through. There's going to be people involved. You're going to need to get vulnerable before you can get free. I'm just telling you. But if you just start right here and give God the first, we can have hope for a better future. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for who you are, God, that, Lord, the way that you've changed me, the way that, the way that you've shown me over and over and over again that in, when I give you the first, you are faithful to bless the rest. God, I just pray over every person in this room today who is looking for freedom in the new year, that you would be the God of second chances for them, that, Lord, that you would just heal them, 
that you would bring them to a, a place where they're ready to get disciplined and to, to learn some new habits, to get into a new place, into a new season, Father, that is not defined by their past, but that is defined by the future you have prepared for them. Heavenly Father, I just believe you've got promises for the people in this room today. Purpose, dreams, hope for a future. So Lord, we just give you the first. We just give it to you this morning. Lay it at your feet. We trust you with it. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.